Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM. More than a podcast. We continue our mission to trace all the traces now on Distinct Nostalgia, so we've tracked down the third actor to play Coronation Street's bad girl. Ashley's been talking to Dawn Acton, who played Tracy from the late 80s through to the late 90s. Enjoy, and remember, we really want to know what she was playing upstairs on those tapes. This is part of our mission. We want to get to every Tracy, because we're really determined to find out what was on those tapes that made her into such an evil person that she is now, or she's become. Because she wasn't quite so bad when you were playing her, was she, really, when you think back? No, I suppose not. Um, And if you think about um, the period of time that I was playing Tracy, it was when her troubles kind of first really started, I suppose. Um, What with the family breakups and things like that, which then I think you know, is is probably one of the reasons she might have ended up going so off the rails later on. Now, you started playing her at quite a young age, didn't you? Did you start around 10 or 11? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I was 11 years old. Um, so, yeah, 1988 or 9. Can't remember. Can't get my maths quite right. But, yeah, I was 11. Can you remember getting the part and being told you got it and all the rest of it? How did you get it in the first place? Uh, yeah, of course, I can remember it. Um, it was very exciting. Um, I used to go to Oldham Theatre Workshop, which many a Coronation Street actor and actress uh, started out at um, Oldham Theatre Workshop. And um, I went for an audition, which was quite common. So they just ring you up and say, we've got an audition for something. And you wouldn't normally find out what that was. And then I got there for this particular one. And um, we were told it was for the part of Tracy on Coronation Street. And there was hundreds of girls there all different uh heights shapes sizes hair color you name it they were there and um there was about three auditions in all uh where they just sort of gradually got less and less people there and I just kept being asked back which was a surprise to me if I'm honest because I was mostly at Oldham Theatre Workshop doing theatre stuff and I was very much always in the chorus I was never one of the people who was you know doing any main parts or anything like that so yeah it was kind of a surprise when I finally got the call to say that um that I'd got the part. How do you audition to be Tracy on Coronation Street did you know did you know Um, you, you knew then it was that was the part you were going for you knew it was Tracy yeah yeah, we knew from the first audition, they told us all, and then they kind of basically tapped you on the head if they wanted you to come back for another one. And I suppose that was basically if they thought that you looked kind of uh, about right. And the next auditions were very much, um, they just tell us to get into a pair with someone and, um, you know, come up with improvise, do an improvisation about, you know, what make up a scene and one of them in particular because uh, they actually did, we went to Granada for the last audition and we were kind of on, not the real set, but kind of the working set, which was mapped out, which had the bar in it and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, we could use that. And me and uh, my friend, she was my friend at the time as well, Jenny, um, did some really silly sketch where one of us was a barmaid and one of them was, was a customer and we just made something up. But um, So it was very... Um, kind of loose really I think a lot of it was they were kind of looking for a certain type of person um they did sort of say they wanted somebody who was quite well-rounded who um had quite a good sense of humor believe it or not uh considering the part (laughs) that Tracy was but I think some of that was about finding somebody who had quite a stable background quite down-to-earth, wasn't going to, I suppose, end up... Because it's quite, I suppose, it's quite an unusual situation to end up being in when you're 11, ending up on a, you know, a a TV programme that big. Um, So I think there was more boxes, you know, different types of boxes to be ticked rather than just um, raw talent, if I'm honest, because 
I'm not sure <laughs> would have got it if it was just based on that. If I'm really honest. Well, and she changed so much. So even the t- even the time you were there, what um, did uh, presumably, obviously, Oldham Theatre Workshop. You'd you'd watched Coronation Street. Your parents had watched Coronation Street, so you knew you knew what you were letting yourself in for in a way. I know you were eleven, but you knew it was big, didn't you? Oh gosh, yeah. And we used to watch it in our house, and I think most people, certainly a lot of people, did then because we only had probably still four channels, I think, um, at that point. And um, so, unless you absolutely despised the program, it was normally just on in the house, wasn't it? Um, and we were all watchers of it, and. I don't think anything can quite prepare you for um, just how well known you become because of the nature of that as well. Because, you know, it was at that point two times a week, you know, prime time television. Um, if people didn't watch it, they still would have seen you somewhere in a magazine or something like that. And I, I do think, yeah, nothing quite prepares you Um for it and nothing quite prepares you for the fact that even if you've not been in it for 20 years you still get recognized of course of course we'll come to that so when you so how did you get how did they tell you you got the part then um they rang me up they rang up um our house and um i can't remember i think they did tell me uh my my parents were actually and in particular my mum was quite reticent at first about me doing it um, she was very concerned about those other things, um, things like would I keep up with schoolwork, would I get bullied, would it change our lives significantly and, you know, we were just a very normal family. Um, so I was kind of told I could do it um, on the premise that I, you know, carried on trying hard at school and all those things and didn't turn into some kind of... Um, Horrible little brat, basically. Um, <laughs> where, 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 where were you living? Where did you grow up? Which, uh, which part of um, Manchester did you grow up in? Tameside. You're in Tameside, right? Okay. Yes, yeah. and mo- mostly Ashton. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. So you were very low. You were very local. You were very Coronation Street in that sense, weren't you? you know, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you got the part. Um, you realised you were going to be Tracy. By that point, Tracy had been. She. We'd seen Tracy in recent years, hadn't we? Because um, I've forgotten the name now, the one between Christabel and you. Um, I think it was Holly. Holly. Holly Played, played yeah. her for a while, didn't she? So we'd seen we'd, we'd seen Tracy. This was probably the time when she was upstairs playing her tapes. Uh, <laughs> and um, what, yeah, I mean, so so obviously you knew you were going to be working mainly with, with uh, Anne Kirkbride and with Bill Roach. Tell us a bit about first meeting them. Um, they were just brilliant, to be honest. Um, both obviously very professional, both been working in Coronation Street a long time. So from my point of view, going in at 11, they were um, perfect to work with, I suppose. Really helpful. Um, and did actually, you know, just offer tips and things like that and just made me feel really welcome. From my point of view, it was very exciting, I think my parents because they used to come with me so they were my chaperones um because if you're under 16 you've got to have a a named adult with you um I think it was probably more nerve-wracking for them to be honest and more strange for them whereas I think when you're 11 you kind of take that stuff in your stride a little bit you're just not as maybe bothered by it no, no, absolutely now when you first went in we'll talk a bit a bit about your first storyline but when you first went in you were one of the few young ones, weren't you? Really, I mean, there was there was a lad who played uh, Nicky, wasn't there? He was he was in mm-hmm. it. Uh, there was you, but there wasn't many kids, was there, in Coronation Street at that time? So you were you were quite unusual in that sense, weren't you? Yeah, there weren't many kids, and then after a couple of years, there were some more brought in. So like, yeah, the McDonald twins, Victoria, but I was probably around. 14, 15 by the time that happened. Yes, Nikki was there and um oh what's Nikki's little sister called? Sarah she, Louise. She was like, Sarah Louise. Yeah, yeah. She was like a toddler, you know, at that point. So yeah, it was kind of unusual um to be the only child there as well quite often. Um and I suppose I got a lot of storylines probably because of that, because I was pretty much the only one there to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. To give them to so what was until you, what, some more kids turned up. What yeah. was your first storyline? Can you remember? 
yeah and it kind of happened it just it was literally this is the storyline so the storyline was that um Deirdre got a job as a social kind of like a social worker um or working for the council I think she was a counsellor she was a counsellor she was supporting um a man who you know was having a tough time and um she kept missing all Tracy's things like the Christmas play that Tracy was in and then she went missing, Deirdre went missing. And so that was kind of, yeah. The And so it did feel like there wasn't even like a build-up to anything. There was actually something straight away that I was involved in as a character. Um, so, yeah, that was the very kind of first storyline. That's probably not an obvious one either for many people. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your, in your little, you mean? Yeah, yeah. We all, we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, oh, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying, oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 Me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We going to have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I got lie, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit. What was it like going in there and just realizing for the first time when you first went in, you were on this set that you'd seen on TV many, many times. Obviously, I know it's slightly smaller, isn't it, compared to what you see on TV, that kind of thing. But you were there with all these big boom mics and. TV cameras and all the rest of it, and these people that were household names. Because if you saw them in the street, you'd probably say hello, Deirdre, anyway, wouldn't you? Because you you so they're so you know so so well known kind of thing. What what was that like? It must have been a bit surreal for an eleven year old. Yeah, again, I just found it mostly exciting. <laughs> like I said, I'm sure it was more surreal for my parents. Um, and you are kind of with everyone immediately, certainly as it was then. Uh, so the green room was for everybody and everybody did sit around in that room. So you did go in and, you know, think, oh, look, there's Bette Gilroy. Um, that's kind of, oh, you know, there's certain characters that you are kind of a bit, wow. And, and they are large. Some, some of them some of them were larger than life. I mean, Bette, absolutely, Julie Goodyear yeah. was larger than life off screen as well as on, wasn't she really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, everyone was very, very friendly. Um and yeah, and how it used to work back then was that uh, there was probably a bit more rehearsal actually back then and you used to do a technical run on, um, I think it was a Wednesday afternoon where everyone had come down and the cameramen would be there. So I didn't, you don't actually see the proper set like I did until like the end of that first week of rehearsal and everything. So when you get on the set, obviously that's that was down in a studio in a separate building at the time since then. Uh, they got everything all in one space. Um, and obviously that's changed again since then because now it's down over in Salford. Um, but yeah, so you don't get to see the set until you're actually filming it. And yeah, my first take, uh, we did it and it was kind of like at the end of it. Like, and I think it's to remember Bill called me a one-take wonder. Because um, <laughs> you do think, oh, am I going to, you know, you think, once you get down there, you might forget all your lines. But, um, yeah, it's just... And then you just kind of get used to it because that's how it works every week. Um, and before you know it, you've been doing two months and, you know, that's normal life. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So you got so you got in there. You, had, you As you say, your storylines were a bit subtle, really. It was all you were just part of the mix kind of thing. Because presumably Deirdre had been talking about Tracy at certain points, upstairs playing her tapes or whatever it may be. Uh, but at that point, anyway, so you, so the so the viewers were were supposed to think know that Tracy was around anyway, weren't they? Kind of thing. Did you get uh, obviously Tracy had, had changed again? She although this was she was still quite young, so. Uh, did did you remember getting any responses to that? Did any? I mean, presumably you wouldn't really know much about that, would you? But was there a, a bit of a response to the fact that she was, she she changed actress or anything like that, or no? Um, from what I remember, probably little. There might have been some write ups and things about it, and obviously, immediately I got asked to do some interviews 
uh, being the new person um, doing that part. I imagine that's kind of what happens to everybody um, in that situation. And I think it's become more and more common now on any soap opera when you watch them um, that the, the actors change all the time. They're certainly doing EastEnders. There's, I can't keep up yeah. with the amount the young ones are changing, changing constantly. But no, you're right. It's, it's, it didn't happen as often, did it, back then? What, what was a typical... I mean, obviously, later on, it would have changed, wouldn't it, when you got older? It was a bit different. But when you were 11, obviously, as you said before, you had to cope with your schooling and all that kind of stuff. So how did you fit all that in? Because days on set can be quite long, can't they? Yeah, but long and mostly waiting around, to be honest. So... Um, you've kind of got to be there, but your actual time of, you know, doing rehearsal and especially later on, um, when we moved buildings and everything, um, when we went to three episodes a week, um, we were pretty much doing very brief rehearsals and then going straight to film. Um, but you've got to be there, you know, in case something changes, they have to move the schedule around or something because time's money, obviously. Uh, but I always had a tutor um there um and he was called bernard and he was lovely um and he also taught the other children as well so warren who was nikki and then so on and any of the other younger people um that came in even if it was just briefly um if you were there for a certain amount of time a day you had to have um some sort of a tutor and he was wonderful um he taught me lots of maths which wasn't my strong point so <laughs> Um, and he was became a friend really to me and my family. So, what Warren was, I think, I think Nikki, if I remember rightly, the character, yeah. and Tracy. Tracy was born in, if I remember rightly, this has been the Coronation Street Anna right now. Tracy was born in nineteen seventy seven, and I think yeah. Nikki was born a, a couple, a few years later than that, because of course Gail went with Brian, and then they had Nikki and. That you must have been born around nineteen eighty. So you were sim- you were supposed to be similar ages, weren't you? In a way, or were you were you slightly no. older? I don't know what what. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, there was an age gap. So probably about four years. Four years, right? Okay. I would have thought. So yeah. You, so you probably had never had anything really to do with him on storylines, did you? Much? Not in storylines, no. But no. obviously, we used to spend some time together um, in a room doing schoolwork yeah, you know, yeah and things yeah, like that yeah, and yeah. um yeah and uh and sarah louise Lindsay, she, she was called the actress of course yeah because she was a little tot i used to spend a lot of time with Lindsay because yeah. she kind of liked me okay <laughs> <laughs> you know like little tots like people so yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. so we did spend time together yeah did you i mean obviously he i know he left when he got 16 and they turned him into adam rickett <laughs> which, like you do, like you do. Although they were a bit, they did look a bit similar, actually, in a way. What um, did you keep in touch with him at all? Have you kept in touch with with Warren at all? I haven't actually. Though I have seen him since because we both did a television program together. Um, gosh, it's probably twelve, thirteen years ago now. Um, which was at Granada called Where Are They Now? Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I met I met him on that and we had a chat and yeah. he seemed to be doing great. So fantastic. But it is a difficult thing, isn't it? Being because essentially what you are. I mean, you went on and carried on into adulthood, and there's some others like Jack P. Shepherd who started as a kid and has gone on and is now in Corrie all the time. But being a child actor and a, and, and what is in essence a child star, you can't underestimate the impact of that on someone, can you? Because as you said, way, way back at the time when you were doing it, I mean, still the same today to an extent, but then we're talking about literally millions and millions of people and that must have an, an impact on you as a kid. I mean, what was what was the impact on you, do you think, at the time? Um, I think it actually made me a quieter person. Okay. Um, I was very aware of um, not coming across as cocky, too big for my boots, things like that. You know, I went to a normal school as well. Um, and I was in my first year of senior school when I got the part. So I'd only actually been probably in senior school for a few months. Um, so I think that was tricky, but I also wanted to do it. So mm-hmm. as I said before, I had parents who were, they were probably more reluctant than me. <laughs> and I think, to be honest, like any teenager, you sort of, you find your way, don't you? And um, for me, it, it ended up being okay. Um, you get the odd, 
you're going to get like things happening where, you know, there's jealousy, there's mm -hmm. people who've got something to say to you. But for me, it wasn't too bad. You know, um, I still continued to carry on going to school. Um, I had friends at school and I made more friends at school as, you know, as I got older. Um, and you carried on with that part, as I say, into adulthood because you carried on to you about 22, I think, didn't you, in terms of the actual yeah. role? Whereas for Warren, it was more difficult, wasn't it? Because he was he played the part until 16 and then was dropped, which mm. I mean, I've not had a chance to talk to Warren. It'd be lovely to talk to him at some point. But that must have been quite hard for him at that particular point, you know, to be in a situation whereby you've, you've suddenly spent your entire childhood doing this part. And then what happens then? You know what I mean? Yeah. And different for Warren as well, because I think he did it from being a baby as well. Yeah. yeah. Whereas for me, there was life before that you of know course. up to 11 i hadn't done that so i do think it's a bit different yeah, yeah. um but at that age of course you're you're sort of everything is a long time isn't it do you know what i mean you sort of do you know where i'm coming from you you're, yeah. you, you you know it's like as life goes on things speed up but as a kid everything's a lifetime to you isn't it in that sense you know yeah, and you already feel self-conscious enough, don't you, without um, the whole world watching what's happening with your um, life as such. And um, I think, again, I, I was quite lucky. My parents were, they kind of drummed it into me that it might not always last. Mm -hmm. I might not always be doing this, you know. Um, so I think that helped me. Yes, of course. Um, when that sort of came to an end. But yeah, I imagine it can be very difficult, um, especially at that age. And Ashley's distinct nostalgia conversation with Dawn Acton, who played Tracy in Coronation Street in the late 80s and 90s, will continue in a few minutes. As well as amazing interviews, the Distinct Nostalgia podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz. Oh, I've never heard of it. Where listeners just like you go head-to-head -head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo, is all I can remember that. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. A brand new season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner Cell Block. Cell B. Prisoner Cell Block H. Simply pick your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com or by messaging us on Twitter. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, Whistle Down the Wind, Carry On Up the Kyber. I'm, no, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> they're, know. <laughs> they're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head -head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz. Got there in the <laughs> End. Coming this autumn. Oh, it's amazing. They always are. <laughs> if you're a Blue Peter fan, you'll enjoy something special we've got coming soon. Tim Vincent is going in search of Valerie Singleton, and he'll be meeting one or two others along the way. Hi, Peter. It's Tim Vincent. How are you? Oh, hi, Tim. How are you? Nice to hear from you. I'm not too bad. I tell you why I'm ringing up. I'm trying to get hold of Valerie's number by any chance. What, Singleton? Yes. Hmm, I'm not sure I've got it now. I've got an address somewhere. Well, I'm tempted to ask, why do you want Val's phone number, Tim? I'll only pass it on to you if you divulge why you want it. <laughs> Tim Vincent, as I never breathe. What are you calling me for? What do you want? H Hello? T Tim? Tim? Tim Vincent. Tim Vincent. Oh, God. It's Tim Listen out for In Search of Valerie Singleton with Tim Vincent very soon on Distinct Nostalgia. Were you ever told really right at the very beginning what kind of kid Tracy was? You know, or did you develop that yourself, do you think? Or did you and Anne and, and Bill managed to develop that, or how did it? How did she evolve? Do you think? Well, like I say, I think it's interesting that you know I was told. I think it might have even been the casting director who said afterwards, once I got the part, that they wanted someone who was quite down to earth and quite happy and had a stable home life. Because I think I think they knew they were going to have plans for lots of upheaval and you know trauma 
um, within that family. And I think that's probably why they picked someone like me. Um, so I do think they had an idea of which way it was going to go. Because um, I think by the time I was, gosh, 13, 14, the, uh, Deirdre and Ken will have split up and there will have been all the Wendy Crozier um, stuff. Um, so, yeah, I do think they had plans. Um, I wasn't privy to them particularly. Um, sometimes they might come to you, you know, if there was a particular storyline, they may come and say, look, we're going to do this storyline. If you find it upsetting, speak to us and things like that. But it, it, it never was that much of an issue for me because none of the things were things that represented my life. Or, no, no, yeah, yeah. So what, it wasn't too bad for me. What was... What you thinking back to the, some of the stories? Just, just remember. I, I know it's difficult because you did so much. You were there for a long time. But are there any particular stories that stand out as ones a that you enjoyed, or b that you found challenging? Which ones stand out for you? My favourite storyline, and I don't even know if it had happened now <laughs> in a soap, but um, was um, there was a storyline where Deirdre had a boyfriend called Dougie. Um. And basically, um, Tracy started bribing him. Um, so she she kind of fancied him. Um, I think she, the character was about 15 at the time. You know, this is a guy in his, like, late 40s. Um, typical kind of schoolgirl crush, but she did start to bribe him for money. So she, was, to get mis- him- she was mischievous back then, then wasn't she? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so she was she was trying to uh, get him to meet her in wine bars. and um, <laughs> But the, the storyline was um, really fun to play, and it was fun because of... Um, so the character that played Dougie was Brian, who was in the Flame Pickets. I don't know if you remember. And um, me, Annie, and him had a really fun time doing that. And... Um, in particular, me and him, because we both had um, a lot of uh, common music taste and things like that. But we also knew it was a really bit of a weird storyline and quite uncomfortable. It could have been quite uncomfortable, but we just used to laugh so much. Um, but I remember one day I'd gone into, so we were, we were all working. It will have been a weekday. And I'd gone into town and I went into Kendall's in Manchester and I got in the queue and then I looked in the queue and Brian was about two up in the queue. But everyone in Kendall's was just looking at us, freaking out. <laughs> because, like, they were going, oh, gosh, like, and then, um, so we're trying not, we're just trying to ignore each other because it just gets weird. Um, but, yeah, it was just a fun, a fun time and a bit silly, the whole thing. And Tracy kept getting drunk and things like that and, um Obviously, she got found out in the end. Of course, of course. Um, but that that situation in Kendall's, you know, it's weird, isn't it? Because the, <laughs> the public really, and it is, it's true, you do think this a little, there is a thin line between uh, sort of fiction and real life. You don't, it's weird, isn't it? It sort of crosses sometimes. And, you know, it's actually quite hard for people to see the difference, you know. <laughs> it, it it would appear so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so go on, do you, you, you remember some more, some others that were... were... Um, I mean, there's, there's the obvious, the obvious ones are um, the Ken and Deirdre split up and Wendy Crozier. Um, that was, they were quite fun to do. I suppose that was the first big um, storyline for me. I interviewed Roberta, um, Roberta a few times, actually. She's really good. And, uh, she's lovely, isn't she? Yeah, and poor, of she, poor woman. She played a complete, she, got... she played a completely different part in Emmerdale, of course, totally different. But did you have any clashes with uh, Wendy Crozier as Tracy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was, yeah, I had a few um, scenes with Roberta, um, arguments and things like that, and um, and then some scenes where we got on all right as well. I seem to remember where we were, you know, there was supposed to be like supposed to be okay together. But she's a lovely lady. Um, and she got a lot of stick, um, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, no, ab- absolutely, because yeah, because everyone you know cared about Deirdre and and, and Ken, didn't they? Um, yeah. So, yeah, just tell us a little bit about working. Obviously, sadly, we, we Anne's no longer with us. You know, I mean, she's a fantastic actress. 
She'd been there a long time, as you say, even by the time you started in it, she'd been there since, what, 1972 or whatever. So she knew Coronation Street very well. Just tell us a little bit about her. What was she, what was she like as a, as, as a person, generally? She was wonderful. She was just lovely. Very, very funny. Um, we'd be in bits laughing all the time, me and Annie. Uh, just a very funny lady, very quick. Um like she was just surprising. Like I remember the first time she ever pulled um, a mouth organ out and just started playing it, and you <laughs> didn't even know where you know she could play a mouth organ. But just a proper character, but also you know really professional, uh, very easy to work with, and just very loving. Um, wasn't she? Into, always... Wasn't she big into star signs and things? I'm sure she was into she, star signs. Yeah, she, yeah. She was, and then I ended up being really into astrology as well. So she uh, told me a couple of books um, that, yeah, so I... And I think Bill, uh, which, Bill's into something like that as well, isn't he? Isn't he into spirituality he or something? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a little bit, but he was a bit quieter about it, Bill. Um, so, yeah, but it's funny. I think they both probably were quite into that. And then Annie told me um, about an author called Linda Goodman, who's an American astrologer from, like, the 70s. And I became a bit obsessed with her books and I've still got some of them now. What about the chemistry then in terms of being actors? Because obviously Tracy was starting to be troublesome to Deirdre, wasn't she? You know, how, you know, what was that like to play? You know, because you, you got a mum who was, because at the end of the day, you know, Deirdre was pretty, not, not I wouldn't say she was a straight laced mum, but she was, she was quite down to earth. She, she didn't really deserve a troublesome kid, did she? You know what I mean? Um, what? Tell us a bit about a bit about that. How did you? Do you remember how you played that together? Yeah, I mean, does anyone deserve a kid like that, really? But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I don't know, really. I suppose though, we just um, got on with it. I mean, she hated having to hit me that time. You know that scene where she had to um, slap me across the face. You know. She really didn't want to have to do that, but you've, it's just part of, you know, the the job, really. Um, and as actors, you enjoy being given that kind of stuff to do. You know, you want um, you want to work together and do that interesting stuff. So Yeah, you want a challenge, um, don't you? You want a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so we kind of enjoyed it, I suppose, really. By the time you got there, uh, Uncle Elbert had gone, hadn't he? You, you, Uncle oh, Elbert yeah. Had left, yeah, yeah. Because Christabel yeah. was telling me about how um, Jack Howarth, who played Uncle Helbert, used to dress up every year as Father Christmas and she'd sit on his knee. And also, it's quite sweet. <laughs> um, and he was a bit, you know, definitely a grand. I mean, he'd been, he was born in the 1890s or something, was Jack Howarth. Oh Amazing, really. So who, who was, who was, were there any of the big stalwarts left when you, obviously there was Bet, you know, were there any other, yeah. others? Elsie Tanner had gone by the time you got there, hadn't she? Yeah, and Jean, Jean Alexander had just gone. Yeah. Um, about three months before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was Alf Roberts still around? Was um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, yeah Brian was around for a few years while I was there. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he'd obviously gone back, gone you know, back way, way, way back, didn't he? What about yeah. Tracy and relationships? I've just been watching some old Corries that have been repeated at the moment in the afternoons, and there's that situation whereby you've come back. Uh, you've been away, you've been, come back and you've left the guy that you're with. Is it Robert, if I remember rightly? Yeah. And then he comes back and then you go back again. I can't remember, this must have been quite late on. I can't remember exactly when it was. But yeah, what? What? when did Tracy start? I mean, apart from the guy when she, when she tried to get off with who's fit, when you mentioned just now. <laughs> you know, when did Tracy start dating? Who's, who's the first person Tracy went with, you know? Oh, gosh. Um, she ran away with my um, boyfriend. Um, I'm going to guess that the character was around 16 at the time. Um, and I can't remember what his name was in the programme, but it was Kieran O'Brien um, is the actor. Um, but yeah, so that was another storyline where um, she met this guy and um, went off to live in his bedsit with him. And Ken went round there to try and talk some sense but um yeah she sort of had had enough of Deirdre and was quite cruel to Deirdre actually and wouldn't come home and um but eventually she does come back because I think the guy is he's obviously a waste of space and um um he's a what, what you'd call a bum musician right. um 
which I, I married a bum musician, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was probably her first proper. Did she have any? Kind did she of, have any? I mean, I know later on, obviously, when Kate Ford play, uh, started to play, she went. She had relation. She had a, a thing with um, Jack P. Shepherd's character, all sorts of weird things. What? What? What did she? Did she ever date anybody in the street? Did she? Did she date Simon Gregson at one point? Or no, 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 no. No, I think uh, the character had a bit of a crush on him and, you know, was, so when those two came in, you know, Tracy was kind of always following them around, um, you know, kind of looking at them wide-eyed. And there was a whole very amusing pirate radio station uh, storyline where um, the McDonald twins and Tracy were doing a pirate radio out of Ken's flat when he was away. Um, But yeah, no, she didn't date at that point anybody actually from from Coronation Street. Now when she was growing up, when Tracy was growing up as a little girl, she was regularly looked after by her Auntie Emily next door. And of course that was a big thing, was that that relationship between Emily and Tracy. You know, Tracy, Emily looked out for Tracy, didn't she? And was that the case in your period you were uh, on Corrie? Did you have quite a lot of scenes at any point with Eileen Derbyshire? Yeah, and Eileen was lovely as well. Um, I mean, again, she's, I think she, when I joined the cast, I think Bill was the longest running um, character. And I think Eileen, I think Emily was the second longest running. That's right. I mean, when, she, when, we, yeah. when, when we talk about, you know, big figures and stalwarts, she'd been there since I think, I think, I think it was about six weeks in from the start of Coronation Street. She'd been there a long, long time. So you were, you were working with one of the, one of the greats there, weren't you? You know, what, yeah, we, we don't know much about her. I mean, I did an interview with Martin Hancock, who played Spider, and he told us, told me that she was a really fun actor to work yeah. with, but she never does interviews. So what, no. what impression, what, tell us a little bit about her. What was she like to work with? Very fun to work with. Um, great sense of humour again, kind of, you know, quietly funny. Um and just very easy to work with, yeah. Just a, a lovely lady. I, I always enjoy doing scenes with Eileen. Very, very intelligent woman. Um, and, and you know, like, you might think working with, because she kind of see as being older when I was younger, but it wasn't like that. She was on the ball with what was going on in the world and, you know, like, very, very aware um, and intelligent and very tuned fun. in, yeah, definitely. So who? So obviously, there's there's, there's Bill and 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 Anne, and and your various affairs with different people and, and all that kind of stuff. What was the um, what was it like in terms of relationships with other people in the? Because when you were growing up, eleven, twelve, thirteen, presumably a lot of the time you'd end up in scenes in a sort of a fairly subtle way, wouldn't you? You wouldn't always be, you know, part of the storyline as it were. But did you, you know, you you probably have to do scenes where you you know, you turn up in the cabin. I mean, did did uh, did um, Tracy ever have a? Was she ever a paper? Did she have a paper round or anything like that? Or did you have a? Did you ever relate? Did you oh. did you have much, many scenes with Rita or Mavis or anything like that? No, but you do pretty much end up having scenes with everyone at some point um, because you either turn up in the shop or in the cafe, and then obviously when you turn eighteen, you start having scenes in the pub, uh, which is exciting because. You've not been able to do that. So that opens up a whole other like load of people. But just because you've not got scenes with people doesn't mean that you're not spending time with them. Uh, because quite often everyone would be hanging around in the same room and then people would just go off to their own dressing rooms or their own space to learn lines and things. But you're still sort of around everyone. When Tracy was getting a bit older, did you notice the the storylines change. Did they start to be a bit more risque with, with Tracy as she entered sort of, you know, I mean, you got that storyline when you were 15 kind of thing. Did you notice, did you notice the writers trying to sort of give her a bit more of an edge? Cause you were, you know, look, I mean, I know Kate Ford's pretty feisty, but you, you as an actor and playing Tracy, you were pretty feisty, weren't you? You were pretty, you know, people didn't really mess with Tracy, did they? No. And I think, as a character, she was always pretty argumentative and, um, yeah, quite feisty and quick to react and probably complete opposite of me, actually, uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, and I think from going in at 11, 
the, the you know that she definitely started off as just quite a sweet you know normal little girl and gradually by the time she got to 14 15 she was um yeah kind of um sticking two fingers up to the world a little bit actually you know she was kind of quite an angry young lady wasn't she um quite often and quite I think a lot of that you know they, they did the character around blaming the parents um around <laughs> all of that stuff well of course of course um Tracy was you know a dad had left a real dad had left very young hadn't he you know um, when she was mm. very young Ray Langton you never got a chance to work with him did you the guy who played Ray Langton um, no no I never did and but you obviously knew the back the back story so obviously she was a she was a one, you know. Deirdre was a one. She was one parent family, wasn't she? So, you know, and then obviously Ken came in. What, um, what, what about what about Tracy's relationship with Ken? Was how did you how do you see that? What, what you what were you and like you and Bill like in terms of working together? What's uh, you know, what do you remember about that? Again, great. Um, and we had we had probably at some points more work than me and Annie did. Um, so. Always, again, just really professional, um, very helpful, you know, around going through lines and um, just like some really sort of top tips, When definitely when I first started as well, um, about how to do certain types of scenes, so shouting scenes and things like that. And um, always happy to spend lots of time, you know, to make sure we got it right. So I was just very lucky. Um that I had such professional people to work with. Um, you know, I went into it and worked with some of the best. And Ashley's distinct nostalgia conversation with Dawn Acton, who played Tracy in Coronation Street in the late 80s and 90s, will continue in a few minutes. The autumn arrives on Distinct Nostalgia with a host of new soap, drama, comedy and entertainment treats, including Casualty at 35. We mark the show's milestone birthday by meeting the woman who uttered the very first words. I think the first words were goodnight. (laughs) Seems ironic, but yes. (laughs) And then in actual birthday week, Distinct Nostalgia meets a woman who became one of the main female faces fans took to their heart for several decades. Kathy Shipton, who became Duffy. So you'd go into this rehearsal room. The whole room is laid out like the studio set. They've got it there and you haven't got a clue. And then they've got poles and they're saying, the poles are the edge of the cubicles. So all of us will be going in going, and (laughs) my first shot, I walked in on the real set in BBC Studio D in White City and I went, And they went, Kath, you don't have to do that because there's a real curtain, you know, all of this ridiculousness. And we've other casualty blasts from the past as we repeat our conversation with Jonathan Kerrigan. And then there's some intriguing soap specials. We're meeting the first Tracy, Christabel Finch, who played the character from her birth in 1977. It felt very normal because it had been like ever since I was a baby, I'd been there every single week filming. Get out of school, get out of the spelling test and go down to the studios. My friends were not very aware of it. And I remember one person saying to me, saying, are you on Sesame Street? And I was like, no, I'm on Coronation Street. And we've a surprise Emmerdale reunion. There's also a magpie reunion. What was very different about us is, first of all, we were all much better looking. Um, oh, oh, God, no. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> I think we were younger than the Blue Peter presenters. You know, just a bit more in tune with the people that watched us. We had seven million people watching twice a week. Trips to Sun Hill and the Bill. Memories of Darling Buds of May. The Tomorrow People and interviews with classic stars Jeanette Scott and Melvin Hayes and legendary TV composer Dennis King. Our great sitcom writer series continues as we sit down with Clement and Lafrenet who penned Porridge and The Likely Lads. That had an instant response. The very next day I was shooting a commercial and nobody had any idea that I had anything to do with it, but I heard them all talking about it, and that that made me feel that maybe we had another hit. A bumper autumn of memories, 
only on Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. A brand new podcast featuring rarely heard voices from across the UK and around the world. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Contemporary conversations around bisexuality. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. We are questioned so much more than people when they come out as straight or gay. It's intense pressure of like, am I sure? You're literally like monitoring yourself. Every episode will include a very personal story as we try to paint a real picture of bisexual Britain. This is Bisexual Brunch. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as the as the things went on, you were obviously as an individual um, outside the street. You were getting you were getting older. You were turning into a young woman. Um, there must have been other pressures going on. You know, how did you how did it sort of alter your life in the sort of your late teens, early twenties? I know, obviously, you made a decision eventually to to leave and to you know to look at other parts of your life. But were there tensions at that age in terms of your just, you know, just being able to juggle things or, you know, did you get a bit fed up of being recognised? You know, how did, how did it feel when you started to be, you know, in, in, in adulthood? Uh, sort of around, from around the age of around 17 onwards, the character was very on and off, whether they were in the programme. So um, I probably had quite a bit more time on my hands at that point, but it was quite difficult, really, because um, whilst you never knew... Um, when you was going to be, you know, so I wasn't always contracted then for like a full 12 months. So they might just ask me to come in and do a couple of months. But that kind of makes you, it makes it hard to, so do you sign up then and go and do, you know, a course or, you know, do you go to college or do you not go to college? So that that was a bit difficult, um, I think. And as part of that, um, myself and my mum, got a business so we got um, a little sandwich shop that we ran and my brother worked there as well Uh, just so that if I was working I could kind of do the two Um, in terms of the being recognised and things like that I was just like used to it by then that it was just standard it was just part of my everyday life Um, but yeah I would say that that was difficult when when you're not working all the time and it's that not knowing so I think by the time um, I wasn't in the program anymore. I kind of adjusted to long periods of time where I wasn't in the program, so it wasn't that big uh, a deal for me. It wasn't like I was in it, you know, and then it just stopped one day. They, they seemed to lost the way a bit with Tracy, didn't they? They didn't really know what to do with her, did they? That's what it's felt like a little bit at that time. Um, do you know what I mean? It's sort of it, it felt that they weren't, they didn't, the, the, they didn't seem to be committing to the character. Yeah, and I suppose that happens sometimes with with all characters. Um, and sometimes when you're watching soaps, you can almost see it happening, can't you? You can kind of tell that they're struggling a bit to sort of, um, you know. Well, I also think naturally, um, as many young people do, the character would go off and go and travel or do other things or, you know, they wouldn't, the character at, you know, 18, 19, 20, probably wouldn't sit at home every night would they with the mum so it it's I suppose it's kind of realistic in a way that a character would go off for long periods of time of course one of the characters in Coronation Street who they often didn't give massive storylines to but was always there of course was good old uh, <laughs> was good old Betty Driver as Betty Turpin because she she was always there in the bar just looking and glancing and giving a knowing eye or two to decide you know you look at you'd look at Betty and she was like the fourth wall wasn't she sort of giving her impression and what was really going on <laughs> I always I always found that yeah. that funny did you do you obviously you remember her she was a real character wasn't she Betty Driver absolutely yeah um yeah, and even probably had a couple of scenes with her, you know. Again, like I say, these are people who were around all the time. Um, it's a great part, isn't it, to have as well, that though, where you sort of just in the pub and just doing like all those little bits with people and um, having the odd line that's very funny and things like that. 
Um, quite good fun, I imagine, to play. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Did you have much to do when, when obviously you mentioned um, Simon Gregson and, um, and Nick Cochran, who came in later on um, as uh, the, the McDonald's, and they, they arrived. And then, of course, there was Chloe, wasn't there? Um, yeah. Uh, who came in as well. Did you, you know, did, did you, as things, as, as more of the younger ones came in, because uh, you were very young, you were in it as just an, you and Warren just as a couple of young ones at the beginning. But when all the younger ones did come in, did that make life better for you as a as a young woman growing up? You know, did you did you get to know these people, manage to socialise more outside the street and things like that? Yeah, so I think by the time I was, it was probably around 17. Um, so you had the McDonald twins, like you said, there was Victoria, so Chloe, uh, also, there was um, Angela, who was Fiona. So there was kind of a group of us, um, and Tracy Shaw as well. There was kind of a group of us, all ranging from sort of around 17 to about 20. Um, so that was, it was nice to have some younger people around. Um, again, it was a bit, it's probably a bit different for me because I was living in Tameside and you know, I was going out, so I had lots of friends around me anyway. I had a social circle of my own, whereas some of those other actors had come in, so they, you know, from Leeds or, you know, from other areas and were living in Manchester. Um, and they socialised a little bit together, um, probably because cause obviously they were working in a place where they didn't live. Um, whereas for me, I kind of had... Um, you know, a set of friends. I, I, I lived down the road and um, I was also really into certain types of music. So I was a bit of a rocker me. So I was probably going to different places, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, I was going to Rock World and the Ritz and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was nice in a working environment to have, you know, those younger people there and have a laugh at work with people um, of a similar age, definitely. Of course, of course. So, so obviously, you were in it for a long time. You were in it for what eleven years? Was it all together? I think all together. Yeah, eleven years. What made you decide, or was the decision made for you? What made you decide that you wanted to sort of move on, as it were? So that really wasn't my decision. Um, I was told that they were bringing the character back, but that um, they would be auditioning myself and other people. So that was um, obviously interesting from my point of view and I took a lot of deliberation whether to actually go and do an audition. Um, obviously, that's a bit... It's like sort of going for your own job um, and then you don't get the job. So, yeah, that was that was a bit difficult, but, you know, that's life sometimes, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, it wasn't actually... It wasn't me saying, I'm not doing this anymore. There was some reservations um, from myself as well, because by that point, you know, I had um, a son who was very young and things like that. So, you know, there were things to take into consideration there as well for me. Um, but yeah, in the end, um, it wasn't myself that they wanted to do the part. And how did how did that make you feel? Because obviously you played the part for 11 years, you played it longer than anybody else had played it. You know what? How did that make you you feel? Like I say, obviously it's a very strange situation to be put in. It is. It's like applying for your own job and then not getting it. So, yeah, it's it was difficult. Um, wasn't an easy decision for me to actually even, you know, go and do that audition. Um, so yeah, it was it was difficult and difficult. Obviously when that became common knowledge because then there's lots of questions from people as to, you know, what's happened there. And, um, you know, that's tough for anyone, isn't it? Um, to kind of then have those conversations. Um, but like I say, it happens, doesn't it? It's just part of life. It does, um, it, it does, it does. And I, I mean, when you look back at Corrie, obviously that was a difficult moment. You've had time now to deal with all that and can you know sort of work all that out all that through and obviously you know if it had been a set of different people deciding they might have kept you you don't know it's it's all look of the drawer in a way isn't it in terms of what what happens in these things but when you look back at Corrie 
despite that little bit at the end, do you look back at it fairly positively? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be the person who I am today if I hadn't done that. It's, you know, a major part of my life. Um, and I've got absolutely no regrets at all about doing it because uh, even the difficult bits, um, you know, weren't that difficult. Uh, mostly, majority of it was positive, fun experience for me. Um, and I think it gave me a lot of confidence as well in some ways. And now, of course, you've gone on to do all sorts of different things. I know you did, you know, you've done other other acting roles and things. I know you've done some of that, but you've you've you now work into the voluntary sector, and you your your life is 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 different. But presumably, doing that at such a young age and being involved in all that kind of thing has really helped you to, you know, to do other things, has it? Yeah, like I say, I think um, there's definitely something around confidence. Um, I think um, my mum worked for charities uh, when I was growing up. And then I think when you're involved in something like Coronation Street, you tend to get involved in other charitable things as well. You get asked to do a a lot of that kind of thing. Um, So I always kind of was interested in uh, the voluntary sector, charitable work, things like that. so I think those two things, my mum's influence and, and that, have probably set me on a little bit of a path like that. Um, I also do some DJing. I like doing that sometimes, you know. So um, I've also, you know, since leaving Coronation Street, I've also worked behind a bar briefly. I've also done um, support work with learning disability adults. So I've done, you know, various things really. And um, uh, I've been at my current in my current job for 15 years though now so I'm fairly settled there to be honest yeah of course of course would you would you ever go back into acting properly do you think I always say with that never say never because you just don't know do you um and as you get older and certainly um you know you, my time's probably a bit more freed up now than it was um you know when when you're bringing up a child and things like that. So, and I have done the odd um, thing since leaving Coronation Street. Um, and I do still get sometimes people, you know, sending me the odd script or there might be a bit of a conversation around that. Um, so it's, yeah, if there was something that I thought looked like a fun thing to do, I definitely wouldn't um, ever just say no to that. But looking back, you're at the end of the day, you know, you're part of television history, aren't you? In a, in a big way, you played one of the iconic characters of Coronation Street for 11 years. That's a pretty big role to have had in many ways. And, you know, that character has gone on to be, you know, she's still there. They've never killed Tracy off. I don't think they will. I think Tracy's definitely going to be a long term character on Coronation Street but the question I keep asking everybody is and I want your I want your views on this what was on those tapes what was she listening to <laughs> what do you think <laughs> well we know we know from some of it because we could hear it uh some of it was um oh I think there's a bit of bros in there at some point uh definitely uh, I think she's a bit of a brosser at one point um I'm trying to think if there was any obvious ones um, that. They, but, but what was that she listening played? to? That le- what what was what was she listening to that led her to become such a terror? That's the point. I well, I'm always wondering if it was something like the Smiths, something really depressing and dour. <laughs> could have been. It could have been. That's what. That's why. That's why I like to think. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny that they that they just let they got uh, poor old Anne Bird had to keep delivering that line. Oh, she's upstairs playing a tape. It's like, it's like <laughs> they gave her that line yeah. constantly. You know, it's quite funny. But uh, no, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Don. I've got one more thing to ask you in a second, but we'll just round off the interview first. So yeah, it's lovely to talk to you. I'm glad that your life's going really well, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening to you. You know, wondering what's 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 she doing? Where did she go? And all the rest of it, because you know there will be people who watched you probably of a similar age and sort of grew up with you at the same time. You know what I mean? So uh, that's the thing about Corrie, isn't it? It is, it's intertwined in all our lives, really. That's the thing about it. It's such a, such an institution, isn't it, really? 
um and that's it says yeah that that's that's quite a quite a quite a nice thing in in many ways i think i think we'd all be lost a bit without without knowing that Corrie's there even when you don't watch it it's nice to dip in every now and again and find out what rita's up to or audrey's up to or whatever you know that's the that's a nice thing. So, yeah. Lovely, lovely to talk to you. And um, yeah, all the best with everything else you're doing at the moment. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks very much. So Dawn's verdict about those tapes, she was listening to Morrissey. Now that would make sense. We'll see what the others think as we continue to trace the traces on Distinct Nostalgia. And don't forget you can listen to loads of Coronation Street interviews and reunions on Distinct Nostalgia now, just by scrolling through our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM, and if you like what we do, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Every penny helps us to make even more amazing content just for you. Go to distinctnostalgia.com and click on the donate button. Thank you. Distinct Nostalgia. More than a podcast.